As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsline here, joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed. Guten Tag. So you came back from uh, the island, Tom. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, I, I, already, I, missed I it. already missed it. It looked to be a rousing affair. Give us, paint the atmosphere for us real quick, if, if you can. It looked... It looked incredibly intimate and amazing. On it looked like you could, it, you could almost feel the game from TV as as tight as it was. Yes, it was. It was a tremendous atmosphere. It it reminds it reminded me of uh, Winnipeg. Uh, they they actually, you know. So for our listeners that are maybe new to it, uh, it was the first time the Blue Jackets or the I should say the Islanders had played at the Coliseum since. Uh, I think it was April 11, 2015, when they played the very same Blue Jackets. That's right. Which That's at right. the time was billed as the last game at the Coliseum. But the several-year experiment at Brooklyn has been so bad that I think the team has decided to start playing some games uh, uh, back in the Coliseum. And I think it's 21 this year. And it was a wonderful atmosphere. The, the building... I mean, the people were lined up. They couldn't wait to get in. Um, Aaron, you know that area pretty well. The Marriott's right there. That's right. Uh, several, of the players, several of the players did walk through the crowd. Some took the bus over. It's, it's a, for people that don't know, it's probably, what, not even a, not even a quarter mile, maybe a half mile. Hey, it may be a quarter of a mile. Yeah, a quarter of a mile. 
And some teams will take the bus over so they don't have to walk through the crowd. And But some players do. Some players actually walk through it. And it's the closest thing we probably have in the NHL to a college game day experience. Yeah. People will actually sit out there and tailgate. Yeah, and they chirp people as they walk by. Right. And it's 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 hilarious because it's it's you know, it is a reminder that while Long Island is next to New York City, it's really nothing like New York City right. because there's no public transportation out to the arena. So everyone literally has to drive to get there. Yeah. Or Uber or Lyft or whatever you want to call it. But it's it was a great atmosphere. That's where their fan base mostly is. They've been forced to take the train in Long Island Railroad in to watch the watch the Islanders for the last couple of years, yeah. and that just was fantastic. And for about twenty minutes there, the the Blue Jackets had the building completely quiet when it was two nothing. Right. Uh, it was uh, they had to go off to the great start, but the atmosphere was wonderful. Uh, I think you're going there later in the year, later in the season, right? Yeah, that's right. That's there right. must have been a scheduling quirk because you're going to Long Island. Or, or you didn't beg for this one, only to complain oh, about I, Okay, I see, I see. I, I walked see. over to the uh, Coliseum with a player, this is probably five, six, seven years ago, who stopped mid-walk and said, they're not listening to Bon Jovi and Journey again. <laughs> they never stopped. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. You get Camaros, you get the... The, um, you know, the gold chains, the undershirts as a, as an outer shirt, uh, Trans Ams, Camaros. It's fantastic. It's like stepping back into the seventies. Anyways, great atmosphere and a game that sort of, that was, was, um, up to the, up to the atmosphere. Blue Jackets two nothing lead. And then here come the Islanders to get a, a bad bounce goal. And it almost felt like, and Tom, you were there, so so you'll tell us, I'm sure. It almost felt like that crowd just needed just needed the, the kick of a heel to start the flame, uh, to get it really rocking and rolling. And I think that's a that you know fans probably get tired of hearing this. This is a young Blue Jackets team. I think that's just another really good experience for a team like this because the game comes down to pivotal moments. It's almost in it's not. You can overuse this phrase, and it often is. It, it's not a playoff game, certainly. But it became almost playoff game-like in the sense that you, you got the sense that one bad play, one bad read, one bad bounce maybe was going to swing the game. And the Blue Jackets made the mistakes. They Nick Foligno, interference off the faceoff. I think a couple guys lost their guy on the, the goal that was scored at four-on-four. Four. Atkinson was behind his guy. I don't know if that caused Wierenski to overplay Atkinson's guy, which left Wierenski's guy open. Chain of events, boom, it's three to two, and the Islanders lose a, a tough game. Reminded of a couple games earlier this season. Allison, what, when you see a game like this, do you see a, do you see this as a lesson learned that is, bankable that makes this team a little bit more uh, thick-skinned, as John Tortorella likes to say? Or do you see signs like this to say, uh, just it's proof that this team is good, but not really good? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. And our, our colleague, Dave Metzold, was talking around this a little bit yesterday as well. I think that 
it certainly is progress from a team that a few years ago we'd be saying, oh my gosh, the issues, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so you just can't win these games. That's right. Yeah. So, so to be able to filter it out and say, this was a good team that made some mistakes is, is, is progress versus, oh, juicy cow, look at all the issues that we have to fix. Um, that being said, um, I pulled up quickly and the Jackets, they've played 26 games. Eight of those games have had a one goal differential in the final score. So I, I think that maybe, you know, we've talked about this, that scoring is up across the league. We're seeing a little bit more of a, a high scoring affair from all teams right now. I think maybe they're, they're not as comfortable right now playing in these tighter games because we're just not seeing them as much. Um, and to that point, as you just outlined, I think that they have to take lessons from this and it's, it's cliche and it's trite, but it, it, there are 60 minutes in the game and you have to play all 60 and you have to play them smart. And if you want to be a good, if not a great team, that means that you are good, if not great in all 60 minutes. And, and that means that if you make a mistake, it, someone else is going to capitalize and, and that's why you can't make those. And so we've had a couple in these games. We've had a couple in Toronto, a couple here. It, it, it just can't keep happening. Yeah. And so you go, well, the, the, the interference call, I mean, Atkinson was sort of steering his guy uh, into Felino as well, but it was clearly interference on Felino. For sure. You can't have that. You can't have that, especially if you're your captain. Um, but Tom, when you look at that, that play that led to the four and four goal, Wierenski's uh, taken a lot of uh, attention here for defensive lapses. Is that fully his? Do we do we know? Is that fully his, or is that a shared response? Is that a chain of events? As I presented it earlier, uh, I I think it's a, <laughs> I think there is a little bit of a chain. I think first of all, just to remind people that what 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 happened there on the penalty that evened up four on four. Right. Uh, they they had a power play. I mean, they were two sitting two two. A game just so similar to the Toronto loss in Toronto. The blow a two nothing lead uh, on the road uh, when it comes down to one mis- one mistake or in this case, uh, so what happens is the four on four situation, um, and it's man on man. It's not there's no zonal marking here. I'm sorry, switch my sports. It's no zone coverage. <laughs> uh, you everyone has a man, and what happened was as the puck came back to the point. Um, I'm trying to think. The defenseman's name escapes me. That made the great play. Uh, for the Islanders. Anyway, Cam gets caught in the wash. He, he's going out to get the guy, and another guy cuts, another guy and the and the, the, the defender cut in front of him. So Cam is just a, a little bit of a half step behind, and he comes in on the right wing, and the guy makes a really good read because he sees Wierenski coming across, and he comes across on his knee, and once he goes down on his knee, he just kind of slides on the ice and gets taken past the blue, and uh, the de- the defenseman decides to go around the net. And at that point, Wierenski's cooked yeah. because he's out of position, out of the play. I kind of feel for him because I think he's he's trying. What Wierenski's trying to do there is either make take away a shot or more likely take away the pass to his guy Casey Zizekas. But the guy makes a good read, and if you watch, you watch the the uh, feed from 
the from the Islanders, uh, Butch Goring was surprised that the, the defenseman didn't shoot the puck. In other words, you've got to step, shoot the puck. But instead, he makes the better play going around the net, and Sezikis is wide open because Wierenski, again, goes over to try to take away the pass. Yeah. And it's just an unfortunate, you know, again, yeah, it's going to fall on Wierenski, but that's one, that's one where you see, like, you see what his thought process was. Yeah. You know what and, he's trying to do. Right. And more importantly, there was a thought process, and he was trying to do something. Oh, without question, he's yeah. trying. He, you know, he's trying to help his teammate out, trying to help the team out, because he's, he's right. thinking the danger is going to be a pass right in front. And again, it, this is one where you say, "Well, just stick with your man." But look, you're, if you can take away that pass, he's trying to. But you know, I think that's one. Torch was so upset in the moment because once again, he feels like his team had a lot of good minutes and came away with no points, just like in Toronto. Yeah. Where it came down to one play, and for the fans that forgot, that was a that was a faceoff missed assignment, where Lucas Sedlak went out to the the point instead of st- sticking with his guy right in front of the net, and it, it led for an easy tip in uh, goal. The yeah. ones that the Torts always likes to say, "Don't give it to him for free," and I think Torts felt both of those goals. We gave it to him for free because of breakdowns. There's just so many different ways to to look at this. I mean, is it progress of a kind that they're in so many games that they win or even when they lose, they're in games like this? In other words, they're not an easy out, right? You no, know, oh no. I, and look, they're, I, don't, I don't know they're, what they're second place or whatever. They're, in the, they're fine. I mean, but, but your point, the point of this whole exercise here is, is well taken. I mean, there's going to be games like this as the, as the season, as the games get more important that you want to win and let's let's the elephant in the room here is these are the type of games that are often decide playoff game things that fl- decide playoff games right fine sure. points little details and i will moments moments in big games and these are the type of things you want to get corrected before april so i think that's the larger point here I, we know they're a good team we know they're probably a playoff team i think they'll be fine but it's 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 you want reinforcement. You want to say, look, we do know how to button up and win these these tie games in the third period. I mean, let's start doing it. And there's we've just given you two examples of where they came up short. I think the the point I was scratching at yesterday, not well, is I think we we notice them, and I don't mean this just specifically about the Blue Jackets. I think when you follow a team, you make a big deal out of the times they come up short. And you paint that as the narrative of, oh, they do this in these games. When they win that game, they won the game. It's not a matter that, oh, they in the in the really crucial moments, they were the better team. You, you see what I'm saying? You almost discount it when they yeah, win. Yeah, right, yeah. And yeah, it becomes yeah. a point of criticism when they lose. Eight, I mean, not to minimize what any individual game means, but there's 82 of these things. The old adage is you're going to win 25, you're going to lose 25. It's a matter of what you do with the other 32. In other words, there's some games that are just so crazy. But they did. They did in this environment. I think what Torch is looking for is a team that is up on its toes, that just constantly pressures the other team into being the team that cracks first. And I think he's closer to that now than he's ever been. He's far closer than he was when he first got here, when this team was just a an absolute skeleton of nerves, is that 
Is that your read as well, Allison? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and this is, we're always talking about the whether it's how much is he giving over the room to what is he pushing this team to be. This is, it's really quite a fascinating evolution on, on the big picture level, right, of what he's done with this group. And, you know, as I was saying before, too, where we were when he came versus where we are now with what he's focusing on with them. But, you know, again, this is part of, Tort's accolades is that this man has won a Stanley Cup. And so he does know everything you said is valid about the schedule and, and we maybe don't celebrate the successes as much as we should, but you, you have to be as close to perfect as possible. That's what it's going to take because, I mean, right now it's 25 wins, 25 losses, and then the balance. But as this team saw last year, then it becomes seven games or sometimes four games, right? And and so if you lose two on mistakes, you, your margin of error is is so thin that that that's why this matters. And look at and to to, to build on that point, Allison, uh, you use the right numbers there: seven and four, uh, or six and four, or whatever. I mean, four of those six games last year went to the, went to overtime, mm-hmm. where the next goal wins, right? And that's where right. you really have to be on point. Yeah, in those situations, and that just builds on what Forty's talking about. You know, these, you know, who's going to crack in these type of situations? And I, again, that's where I think it's, it's more of Torts is looking down the line, saying we are going to be in these situations, and the stakes are going to be a lot higher at some point. Yeah. And okay, we blow this one here on the island, and we blow this one in Toronto, where we have a breakdown. But what I'm getting, what when I say I, I mean Torts. What I'm getting at is we're going to have to find a way to get the next goal in April. Torts had another uh, great response yesterday, Tom, to a story that you put together. Really interesting story. That One of those stories, I think, if you've watched this game for a long time, um, you, maybe you, you don't notice it because it's been a gradual change, but it's the idea these open ice hits have just disappeared. Um. What, uh, suicide passes that you you know the definition a, a guy coming out of his own end with a puck that just kind of won't quite get to him and he's vulnerable waiting for it over the middle those used to be they used to be like lobbing the ball over the middle to, to quarterback to wide receiver um where you could get severely hurt and now this game has changed so much that guys want the not the body and we see it all the time uh, sitting up at the press box where you, where you can see plays develop and you can see and anticipate things better from a, a higher vantage point in the NHL. And we're going, whoa, why didn't he hit him? Like he did all the work to get there. And then they just kind of, he just kind of bumped and he moved along. The time you wrote about this at length today, how those players don't feel as vulnerable uh, exposing themselves, looking for the puck, over the middle as they once did. And I wonder if you could breathe that out a little bit for us. Yeah. First to, 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 your, to what Torts' response. And he's always such, so good on these type of topics. Uh, he calls it, an, he called it a no hit league. And right. he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't really mean that, but the point of the idea of the big hits uh, have really gone away. Uh, you know, we just come, we're just, got done spending five minutes talking about a great game in Long Island 
And right. one of the parts of that game was it was a physical game. It was very clean for the most part. It was a physical game. Uh, and we don't get to see that a whole lot uh, anymore. But but this came, the idea for the story came again, and you just laid it out perfectly. It, when you watch stuff on TV sometimes, it's you, you kind of miss some different plays. But when you're sitting in the press box and you're sitting in the arena, uh, I kind of built the story around one play that involved the Blue Jacks defenseman. Um, and it was a play with Marcus, involved Marcus Nuvaro, a pass in the neutral zone uh, that Toronto threw a couple, a couple weeks ago. We're in the building. Uh, it doesn't really come across in the replay, although it, you can hear it just slightly. There is an audible gasp of anticipation right. that, that Tyler Ennis is going to get blown up. Because fans sitting there can see Marcus Nudavara closing on him. And three or four years ago, that would have been a train wreck. Yes. It's funny, when I'm talking to a couple players in the, in, the, in the Blue Jackets locker room, they remembered the play. And, and it was funny um, that Felino, who's played in the league for a while, said, you know, a few years ago, Marcus would have probably come to the bench and guys would have said, hit him. But, that's, but, but I think the play speaks to the way the game is going. Because what what he does instead of hitting him, he just steals the puck and in one motion gets it up to Dubois and they have a scoring chance. And it's a possession league now and Nick ends up saying, that's the right play. He made the right play. That's the way the game is played. And I think what's interesting is that when you look at the Blue Jackets and how they are constructed, especially on the back end, when we're talking about these suicide passes, it's usually defensemen are the ones that are laying guys out. There's not a guy on the Blue Jackets that you say would would probably lay guys out, but it's also a really good defensive core, young defensive core that makes good plays. Seth Jones is like, Hey, I want, I make plays with sticks. You know, I, I want the puck back. I right. want to be on offense, which I thought was a great quote. It's just, it's just the way the game has gone. The, the days of the Scott Stevens laying guys out, Rob Blake laying guys out. That's that part of the game is gone in part because again, the, the, the way the guys are coming up, it's a different kind of mentality. Uh, there's no red line, so it's hard to comp- keep the game compact right in front of you and line guys up. And there's the fear of suspensions. Uh, the guys don't want to be sitting out games or taking penalties yeah. to hurt their team. Well, I, you know, when they first came into the league, I thought Dion Phaneuf and Nicholas Cronwall, I thought their names just had exclamation <laughs> next to them because that's all you ever heard was, I mean, oh, my God. Dion Phaneuf used to just freight train people. Yeah. Um, and, they, they, you know, a big, big part of this has to be the players taking better care of themselves and of each other, the fear of head injuries. and Absolutely. De- DTE and all of this. Thoughts Absolutely. on that? Yeah, I mean, that's it. I, I do want to say I thought Seth's quote was, was amazing on, on what he wants to do as a defenseman. Um, but, you know, I, I also really appreciated Ryan Murray's comments in Tom's article because, you know, as, as people who follow me on Twitter may remember, I spent the summer, <laughs> misguided or not, reading a lot of the books about the players who've lost their lives with, with claims of losing it to CTE. And I mean, I'm old enough to remember what it felt like to be young and you think you're invincible. But, you know, I don't know that, you know, the league, that the players are doing enough to educate these young men on, on and, and the young women as well, quite frankly, who are at risk of suffering 
concussions and possible related symptoms of that building up were, were not taking headshots out of the game. They could, as Ken Dryden has outlined in his book. He said clearly, I mean, you change a checking rule, the, t- the players follow along. You change a face-off rule, the players follow along. If you don't want headshots, take them out of the game. And, yeah. you know, I look at TJ Oshie right now, who's out. I mean, I started worrying about that guy way back when they played Pittsburgh at home. He gets two huge hits, leaves the game twice, yeah. and, and then in a very Matt Calvert-esque story, comes back, scores the game winner. And then I think over the course of like the next two or three games, he takes two or more big hits to the head, in my opinion, and now he's out. And, you know, this is a guy who's young. He has a young family, has two little kids, you know. Right or wrong, I worry about this, and I think that these players should also as well, because if you read some of these stories of what these men are dealing with, and again, women too, we just aren't hearing the stories, it's really scary stuff, and and we can do better and still have a great game and and protect the long-term health of of these athletes. And, and, you know, the other part of that, to to pick up on what Allison's point is with Oshi and other guys like that, as it goes on, you know, we, we talk about headshots, 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 but it, you don't even have to hit a guy exactly. in the head yep. for a concussion. You have these, uh, these blows that just cause the brain to rattle. And so it's not necessarily a headshot. You can hit a guy square in the chest, yep. and if, if his head, if his brain violently bounces around in his head because right. of the whiplash effect, that's, that's when you, you know, that's scary stuff there. Because and, people are saying, well, he didn't hit him in the head. No, but it's you know again this is this is the 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 bad part of our game that that there that that there we we have guys dealing with it in was it uh, Rick was it Rick Rickbean there's been a several Rick Rippen, players yeah 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 every every the, the NFL gets most of the um, most of the the lion's share of attention for this because of the lawsuits and the man it seems like more than a handful of guys who have ended up taking their lives. Yeah. Uh, we're dealing with this, but as Allison very well put it, I mean, this is something that really affects uh, affects our game yeah. and, and everyone who plays it. And and the, the guys are just, it's just going so fast now, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. it, oh. The players aren't bigger in a lot of cases; they're smaller. But but Matt, what is it? Mass times speed equals force. Oh, yep. Yep. And you're you're talking about guys. It is just so fast now. Um, and that's part of it in Tom's story is like, it's the speed for sure that makes guys say, well, if, if I dare line that guy up and I miss, oh my God, yeah. like there's just no getting back now. Whereas you could take those risks back in the day and, and be fine. Yeah. Uh, the red line, the red line really, I think changed yes. that, yeah. right? For sure. For sure. Um, a couple of news and notes to get to with the Blue Jackets. Uh, good news. Ryan Murray, who left the game in New York, um, block shot seven minutes to go, uh, was seen walking out of the building in a, in a walking boot. Uh, he is fine. He practiced, he practiced yesterday and looked wonderful. Just a bruise on the foot. So he is good to go tonight against Calgary. Uh, and Bill Zito, the assistant general manager of the Blue Jackets, who's now interviewed four times. This guy's going to get a GM's job here. It's, it's inevitable. Uh, he's interviewed four times, four different teams, had an interview with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they settled on Chuck Fletcher as their GM. 
yesterday. So Bill Zito re- remains in place with the Blue Jackets, and that is I, I don't know if there's there's no good time to lose a senior member of your uh, executive staff. But these are interesting times for the Blue Jackets. Imagine losing Zito's the guy that does their contracts. Imagine losing your contract guy uh, a couple months before Panarin and uh, Bobrovsky, maybe Bobrovsky, uh, Panarin and others have to come uh, to a head at some point. Wonder who that that duty would have fallen to. Um, so Zito staying put, the Blue Jackets top three, if you will, with the organization uh, remains in place. I had a chance to go up when Tom went to uh, one of his favorite spots over the weekend. I had an opportunity to go up to Cleveland um, and watch watch out for the police in Berea, the 60 miles per hour there. So. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a great, it is a, I always enjoy the, the time up there. I always wish you could go up uh, more often if the schedule allowed. But I had a chance to get caught up with Latestu, who is a fantastic guy, as you both know. Um, had, you know, Paul Bittner is a great story up there. Put together a couple, three stories, and we're going to write another one about Trent Vogelhuber, the, the, the kid from Columbus, sort of the godfather of the local hockey players here, player that Ross Levick and Murphy and all of these guys look up to. Uh, Sherwood's for sure. I uh, spoke to Cole Sherwood, who had just happened to have the best game of his pro career so far when I was there. He looked dynamic. Um, still a lot of, a lot of things need to come together for his game, but boy, there's a lot of tools in the tool chest that, that, uh, a lot of players just don't have to work with that he does. So, uh, check that out and we'll keep doing more of those, um, cause that team is not far away and there are a lot of really good stories up there. The team's playing pretty well. It's an interesting mix. So one last thing I want to get to here with you guys, and we should, you should always knock wood when you, when you. Talk about these things. I don't recall a season where there has been so little um, activity between the AHL team and the NHL team. And it's, it's injuries, of course. It's also struggles. Like they, they, There hasn't been a guy up here that's, that's failed so miserably that they need to, needed to send him down and bring up somebody else. Um, it's just been like really stagnant, um, the movement between those two. Zach Delphi's having the the best season of his pro career and he could only get called up when they had an illness for a few days and then went right back down. I think most people expected Latestu to be here um, by now, but no injuries, no room to put him. They ended up sending Sonny Milano down because he was in and out of the lineup and not particularly effective. And he's parked in Cleveland and is okay. He's been okay. I spoke to him briefly. He didn't really, have much to say or want to say much. Uh, so that's fine. I'm not sure where that goes with him. Uh, but there are lots of interesting stories down there. Paul Bittner, I think, is probably the most intriguing and the most surprising so far. Former second-round draft pick, big dude, um, and who just his first two pro careers were, first two pro seasons, rather, were just a big old nothing. And just really struggling. Look, he was going to be a second round, uh, the latest Blue Jackets second round flame out. Um, but boy, he he has turned it around and, and looks like a different player this year. So they've got way too many people at Cleveland. I mean, they they're sending guys to the ECHL just to play. At one point, they had eleven defensemen, and I think they had eighteen forwards. Like 
It's crazy. It looks like the first day of training camp there in Cleveland. But anyways, check that out. Any any thoughts, Allison? I know you keep an eye on the Cleveland people. Anybody draw your eye? Yeah, I mean, I, we're definitely going to get a couple more of these stories, as you mentioned. I think it, it's going to be interesting to see what's going on with Eric Robinson, uh, the young man that the team signed out of college last year. It's had one game, up, traveled with the NHL club there yeah. to finish out the season, had one game in Nashville. Um, but, you know, this was going to be where the organization could really see what he would bring. And he is, I think he's second right now in total points on the team, right. had, had a great start, um, yep. which is nothing but a good sign. Um, and we've talked about Zach Dalpy before. You know, there's, there's some wrinkles to his story that I think are really fascinating. Just a, just a great guy, and it's, it's nice to see him having some success. I know he'd rather be at the NHL level, of course. Um, but to, to your point, it's going to be interesting to watch guys like Vitaly Abramov too, right? Because it's so crowded down there that, it is. that to get everyone ice time. And, and this is a guy who was a point-per-game player when he came up to the AHL two years ago. So what, what is he now at this level? We don't, we don't know yet that either. So yeah, um, he was a healthy scratch Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Sam Vigneault has been sent to the coast league and back. Yeah. I mean, these are guys that they've, they've had high hopes for. It, it's an, it's an interesting mix. It, it's such a dramatically better team than it was last year. Yes. And a new, and a new conference as well. Remember they switched um, in the realignment. So, you know, there's there's a travel benefit to that for sure for the club um, yeah. and just some different opponents. And it's it's been nice to see them again. It's early. It's been nice to see them kind of hold their own there early. That's that's definitely a positive sign because they're in a in a their new conference is, is is a tough one. Yeah. You look at that team on the way that's put together with Gerby and and Latestu. They've got they've got some jam there where that should be a good team. Robinson's been a really, really strong player for them yeah and i i think if you're like not the cynical view from the nhl down to the ahl is you know what latestu is you know what nathan gerbey is you know a lot of these guys are not in not i mean those two but a lot of the other guys are not impact players at the nhl you're looking for impact players at the nhl um and i think if you look at the crunch through that lens right now the one guy that does jump out is eric robinson mm-hmm. is this, not not right now, but you look at him playing. You say that's a guy who could be a top three line difference making player in the NHL when he's ready. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's got the size. We yeah. you know he sees the game well. He, he when he left college, the program he was with had struggled a bit, but um, he's got the physicality, and now he's showing that his skill can translate. And this is how this is supposed to work. Like you said, it's take a step up, prove you can dominate, take a next step prove you can dominate, take a next step. And so that's really, really positive signs from him. You'd like to see Sherwood and, and, and Abramov and these other guys be lighting up the league, but, but that's not, that's not usually how it works for rookie guys in the NHL. So right. time will, time always sorts it all out. Um, anything else we need to talk to talk about on this latest episode, whatever number it is. Uh, it, uh, just a mention, uh, because I know he's a, a fan favorite. Looks like I believe Dalton Prout is drawing into the lineup tonight. He is for drawing Calgary. in. And yeah. It, yes, and it's the father's trip. It is. And so, Mr. Prout. Oh, great. Here, uh, to th- those old boys went to Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse last night. <laughs> Can you imagine that, Bill? Woof. Tom, there's a $115 steak on the menu. Oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> Have you been there? You had a you had a nice chat with him, did did you not, with Mr. Oh Pepper? yeah, yeah, he's wonderful. He's that is Indy. He's rocking an Indian's hat. He's rocking an Indian's. They're from Windsor. Yeah. And uh, the missus, he's like, she's like, hey, I'll come down to Columbus and meet you. And he's like, no, it's the father's, it's the father's <laughs> trip. Like, <laughs> I want my week. I want my week. So she came down last night, Mrs. Brout, I should know their names, and is staying with friends that they met during Dalton's time in Columbus. Fantastic. And he's out with the boys. He's out with the boys. And then they're going to spend a couple days here together after the fathers fly back to Calgary. And the old man was a little bit like, shit, that plane. I don't think people realize the planes that these guys fly on. And I'm going to be flying back. Uh, I'll be going home commercial with my wife. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, he, uh, I, I think you're bearing the lead here, though, Porty. Have you? Are you a frequent customer of Jeff Ruby's? I've never even been there. Oh, I've never been either. I, oh, I okay. just we I, don't make Porty's Jack. We don't make kind of money. He goes there, not Long Island. <laughs> I'm not going to Boston's for lunch with you guys. <laughs> no, I just looked at the menu and it's like 150 steak. Like I like a nice meal. Wow, that must be an un- that, wow. Wait a minute. How much did you pay for that steak in Sweden? Oh. Well, I paid for yours, too. Oh, okay. And I don't think you really want to get into that story. Oh. You, you, had, an, you had a sudden inability to order. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, we, let's, let's end it there for, this, for Tom's benefit. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. Uh, we will uh, be back with you. This is Tuesday. We'll be back with you on Friday. Blue Jackets are at the Flyers on Thursday. And then they are home for six in a row, seven in a row. Something crazy after that. So Six. Up, six in six, a row. Yeah, and then back to Philly. Uh, so lots of chances to get out and see the Blue Jackets. Uh, there will be lots to uh, to do and read and follow here in the coming weeks. So thanks for Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. We'll be talking to you soon.